Gaming and BS, episode 321, being recorded Monday, December 7th, Pearl Harbor, 2020. Welcome to Gaming NBS, the Tabletop RPG Podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Glad everybody's here. Hope everybody's doing well. Sean, how the hell are you, man? I had the day off today. I'm doing all right. Damn. I took the day off from moving. I, I only packed one box. I'm like, you know what? I, I'm, I'm done for the day. I've packed so much crap and moved it. I'm not doing it right now. So that was kind of nice. But Ooh, it sucks, man. Oh, Jesus. It's terrible. That's terrible. End result will be good, though. End result will be good, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, did you get any gaming in since we talked last? I did play in Hobbs's slow fantasy game this past Sunday. He killed you, I assume? I almost died. Oh. My Hobbs. character almost died. I. You were fine? I was fine. So Hobbs is getting a little weak. Well, you know. Light touch. <laughs> light touch Hobbs. That's what we're going to have to call him. All right. I was telling one of the guys, because we take breaks every hour, and, you know, Hobbs didn't think the, the encounter was that tough. And he's and he, I think he was being, I mean, he was being genuine. Like, I didn't think that was going to be that tough. It was a couple, like, super big beetles and a couple skeletons. And, yeah. I mean, I got my ass handed to me, but I couldn't, it couldn't roll <laughs> worth the shit. And then you try to get out of there, and then there's the action economy thing. That was well, just if you give Sean a D20, you tell him to attack something, you might as well just, it's not going to be above a 10. Because if your if your D20s are cold at the start, Sean, I've seen it. They're cold all all game. Yeah, but you you made it out okay. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Did you get any? Nothing else. No. This Thursday, playing Alice is missing. Oh, okay. I, I knew that was coming up. That'll be cool. That's coming up Thursday. Pretty psyched about that. And then uh, it'll be interesting to hear how that goes. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one because it's a it's just. A unique game. Uh, it's text only. Like here, here's the mission brief. Go and then nice. text for ninety minutes. And there's cards that you flip and you read and you try to inter you inject those things into the kind of keep the story the moving. Little twists right. and turns so it doesn't right. get derailed or right. down a rabbit right. hole. Got it. Right. So that uh, five of us are playing Thursday night, and then. Um, Age of Rebellion, I have some of the rules I streamed on Saturday morning and went over some of the house rules that I think I'm going to implement to character gen and what that'll look like, and then I'll put some down in the books. I just have to figure out how to prioritize who can, who can who's like, okay, everybody wants to play, great, who who gets to play and how and how I, that's chosen. So it'll probably be, you know, patrons, priority, and then... Kind of nice embarrassment of riches, dude, if you want to run a game and you were flooded with people who want to play with you, so that's kind of nice. Yeah, no, it's very, very just, good. I'm, very I'm, just, I'm just saying, yeah. just in case you were, in case, oh, you're, no, feeling, in case you're feeling down, that's no. pretty fucking cool. It's pretty yeah, nice. Yeah, no, it's not a bad very, thing. Very, Trust me. No, it's very flattering. Yeah. It's very nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be fun. It'll be, it'll be fun. I hope it, um, I hope people enjoy themselves. Sweet. So. I did, um, Alpha ran his Undermountain, the, uh, Mad Mage last week. So I got to play that. Um, it's, it's a dungeon crawl. And a 5e dungeon crawl has a different feel for me than some of the older editions for whatever, even different than Pathfinder or whatever. I, I don't know why, but we're having a lot of fun. Um, a lot of good times with it. I'm, 
<laughs> my dwarf has uh, I found this intelligent um, elven blade, and it I've you know like oh I like this it's a good it's a good sword. The elf in the party's annoyed with me because I won't give it to him. I'm like nope, I found it because I was the one who de- who dealt a killing blow to the green dragon who happened to have the blade stuck in it. Um, so I uh, I am dragon slayer, dragon spain, and uh, and giant slayer because I've I've killed giants and a dragon now. And so whenever we we find an NPC and we're going through, hey, I'm so and so. My name is Wraith, Dragonsbane, Giant Slayer. I have a litany of things that I am and how cool I am, which is driving the other party insane because they're like, I did all the heavy lifting. The the Gith fighter is like, oh my god, I did ninety percent of the damage. Said yes, but who killed it? That was me. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I have a bad tendency apparently to um, I wander a little far away on my scouting missions and uh, come screaming back to the party, usually with monsters in tow, which is... Um, <laughs> <laughs> apparently, That's a I good scout. To, I need to back off on that a bit <laughs> after Nick's character in one combat. Um, he's down, he's up. He's down, he's up. Ten times. Ten times that poor bastard. <laughs> he's kicked the shit out of his poor fighter. But he's still there, so what's he complaining about anyway? And then tomorrow I'm running my... Uh, my Greyhawk game, so it'll be fun. Session. Session three. Three. Session three for that. Yep. It's pretty nice. Should be cool. It'll actually be interesting because next week I'll be in the other town because I'm moving like Sunday night, Monday morning, drive the truck up, unload, pile into the house I stay in for a month and then move in there to the house I'm buying. But anyway, short version, it'll be interesting because I'll be in town, but because of the insanity that is the pandemic and stuff will probably still play <laughs> virtually, even though I'll be in the same town that everybody's in. So that'll be weird. Um, when I'm playing virtual, and I'm like, well, it makes sense. I'm here in the middle of fucking nowhere. Everybody else is over here. You're over there. You're over there. Virtual makes sense. But it feels it's going to feel weird, I'm sure, when I'm playing virtual and everybody is within like a 15-minute drive of me. Yeah. But it's the right thing to do, given the situation. So it is what it is. Anything else, man, gaming-wise? No, I don't think so. So how's the Exploring Eberron giveaway? We're still doing that? Yeah, we're still doing that. If you're interested, uh, we're giving uh, at least maybe one or two copies, at least one a copy in PDF of Exploring Eberron. Uh, Enter your email. We'll have a link in the show notes. Or you can go to gamingnbs.com forward slash explore dash Eberron. Is there a, a timeline that they need to hit it by? December 14th will be the drawing. Um, as a matter of fact, I think Brett will be out next week, but yes, I, will, I will. I'll do the drawing and, and I'll stream 8 o'clock on, on Monday night, something. I'll talk cool. about something. Yeah, yeah. I'll, be un- I'll be unloading a truck at that time, so I'll be busy. Yeah. Um, oh, the other thing that was kind of cool, it's a small little small little piece of Avalon, but I worked with the Encoded Designs crew. We got a uh, Avalon Trinkets. It's out on Drive RPG. It's 99 cents. Um, thank you. But, uh, with <laughs> speaking of crap that, that the pandemic did, right. It just, it screwed up everybody's ability and timelines and jobs and all this other stuff. So it's on drive through RPG right now. So you can go grab it, take a look at it. It's 99 cents. It's trinkets. If you play 5e and, uh, what I did was I went through and created a hundred trinkets that are uh, very Avalon focused types of things. So fun stuff. Um, the guys did a great job on the cover. It's a kind of cool book, kind of an old worn cloth bound book type of cover look to it. It's just in PDF, but it's kind of a snazzy cover. Simple, but I like it. I think it's pretty cool. Sweet. So it's a small little add on, but um, this is something that um, 
uh, Jared Rasher and I have talked about and a few other people like, hey, boy, this would be cool. Hey, we should do small little pieces that when you make the character flavors it into it. And then even looking at like Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, which once I'm moved, I can settle down with you, Sean. We can figure out what we want to do with that. Um, it has like it's Rhyme of the Frostmaiden specific stuff. Then like, hey, this would help you build your characters and give them bits and pieces. So anyway, small little thing to add some flavor. Kind of nice. Fun. Yeah. Congratulations, Brad. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. The library of streets grows. Grows. Yeah. Nice. After New Year, then I got to kick in a gear for the pip conversion. So that's going to be fun. Yes. That'd be a good time. All right, man. So let's see here. Anything else there? No. All right, then. Random encounter. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> at me blank. Wait for the go ahead. Random encounter. <laughs> emails from uh, email, social media, comments, uh, voicemails. You start. Digital Hobbit, a.k.a. Mirko, from, uh, or talks about comments on healing. Oh, last know. episode. Okay. Last episode, huh? comments on healing and RPGs. Just finished listening to this episode. Great discussion. I've been able to appreciate the different takes on healing implemented by the various systems I've played. Uh, as always, a lot of it comes down to the vibe you're going for and perhaps the genre you're emulating. I generally enjoy systems where harm results in lasting consequences that need time for recovery. I feel like Blades in the Dark and Fate both handle this very well, for example. In contrast, for a game that generally airs more on the simulationist side, D&D's hit points pool could feel a bit silly at times. Everyone is at perfect fighting capacity until they hit zero, hit zero points, at which point death is on the table. And a long rest, at least in 5e, restores everyone back to full hit points. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Uh, while... While I'm mostly okay with this abstraction, it means that characters are rarely encouraged to think of longer-term consequences, which would force them to make smarter or more cautious decisions. In my upcoming Hot Springs Island campaign, I'm going for a different vibe, perhaps more gritty, but also less balanced, and with more meaningful long-term consequences in general. So I decided to introduce some house rules around healing, which I mostly lifted from into the unknown a fairly straightforward take on osr uh poorly edited but with some good ideas <laughs> characters can only spend one hit dice on short rest two if they use a healing kit characters only regain one spent hit do hit dice on long rest they can spend as many hit dice as they like and roll these with advantage Failed death saving throws don't clear when stabilized. Extending one hit dice also clears one failed death saving throw. That is interesting. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. I like that. I feel like these house rules should per should perfectly support the vibe I'm going for. For example, characters should think twice about unnecessary in unnecessarily engaging in combat. Perhaps they'll opt for a stealthy approach, use diplomacy, or find other ways to achieve their goals instead. Otherwise, they'll have to spend significant days, especially at higher levels when they have more HD, to recover, which in itself may be difficult or risky. Uh, do they have safe cover? And may prompt interesting actions. Of course, 
this might end up not working out at all, in which case we'll tweak or abolish these rules as needed. Happy to report back in a few weeks. Smile. <laughs> Smiley. Definitely it's- let us know how that goes. I think one of the hardest parts with D&D, um, when it comes to hit points, for me anyway, and people I talk to, is they equate hit points with the red health bar. In a video, like, this is your live, your live. Like, that's your actual health. Hit points... Um, are an abstraction, not only just for health, but stamina, quickness, ability to dodge, parries. It's not like I swing once to hit you. It's a flurry of blows, dodges, parries, faints, all the stuff and stuff that happens. And um, there's a really cool, I think um, Tim Cast did a curmudgeon in the cellar where he goes through a, uh, a video, like a fight from Game of Thrones or something, and says, goes through and says, like, you see this swing and a miss? That's a hit point expenditure. Somebody lost some hit points doing that. Um, they hit you, they block with the shield, boom, that's X number of hit points gone. And when you're dealing that damage, you're wearing your opponent down. What I really like uh, from Warhammer 1st Edition anyway, and uh, Roger Braslett and other kind of sewers of that system will correct me if if I get this wrong here, but basically you've got a toughness rank, and if you go past a certain point, you start into criticals right off the bat. You can take so much, and then it just fucks you up. Basically, I can take it, I can take it, and it got through the I can take it, and now you start losing limbs and things go bad for you. Once it punches through the armor, gets through your toughness, and whatever absorption you can take, then it just starts doing damage. I like the idea here, though. Long tirade there, but I love that this idea of a failed death saves don't clear. That's interesting. I would not thought of that kind of a tweak, but that's pretty interesting, where you would have to do something to uh, to get it back so you could wander around with like two failed saves huh interesting i like that kind of cool thanks man that's good stuff you ready sean you got anything you want to add that i do like that they don't clear or you got to spend stuff to clear them like the hit dice piece you know like i mean they're look 5e is great and if people enjoy it fantastic and if they like how it runs, the, the way it's kind of written, great. But I think there, to me, my preferences would be some of those tweaks to kind of make it more interesting. To me, it seems very, It's I don't know why, because when it first came out, I'm like, oh, this is one of the better D&D iterations that have come out. It incorporates- Yeah, you, we both raved about it. We both, And I still think it's a really good I, system. I do I really too. do. I do too. But over time, I'm kind of like, well, you know- Second level, third level tune goes and goes some law further. There's an encounter. Things get brushed off. A short rest, a short rest brings things back relatively quickly, and a longer rest, which isn't a week long, it's like an overnight. Everything kind of gets erased. Yeah, you know, death saves. I mean, you make three in a row, and they're they're poof gone. I think, again, it, it's um, what level of abstraction do you want to deal with? And do you want to take some of those abstract components and make them linger for a while? So, And there's such a thing as getting burned out, too. We were talking about this before we got on the, the official mics here, is that sometimes you play a thing long enough and you can just get bored with it. And you can play a thing and find familiarity breeds contempt type of thing where you start looking at it and any flaw or any nit to pick becomes as glaringly 
obvious thing to you anyway that just drives you bananas and makes you seek to go find another system. So sometimes a break from a game system is a damn good thing because especially if you don't want to kind of wreck the feeling that you have playing it, if you have a really good time playing it, you start to feel it flag a little bit, jump system, and uh, you can keep that alive. So, yeah, cool, man. That's good stuff. You ready? I'll move on. I am ready. Go for it. All right. The warden, Mr. Todd says, while the episode felt more talking about healing, well, the episode for like a uh, more like a discussion on damage. You can't have one without the other unless you're in a madcap game where hit points only go down. Hold on. Writing that one down. Oh, he's going to bake something. <laughs> My opinion on the role of either has changed a lot recently as I try to find new ways to bring the same level of tension you can get from watching your character's life trickle downwards without the constant tracking that comes from uh, comes with co constant combat scenes. I do very much like the combination of harm and complications in Fate and even some PBTA games, where harm is just a series of checkboxes or others, like Fudge, that use stress or damage tracks to weigh the characters down over time. I know hit points in many games are intended to be abstract, but it's hard to reinterpret a great axe swing at someone in leather armor as being anything other than your ribcage chopped in kindling. So to imagine these characters getting constantly hacked and slashed over and over and over again, only to be magically healed so that they can get hacked up some more? That's a deep level of hell right there. <laughs> I think I'd rather push that fucking boulder uphill for eternity, thank you very much. Regardless of how much damage and healing occur, I feel how harm of any kind should occur in a game is based on these three questions. Number one, do I need slash want all or most of these characters to survive to the end of the story, or can anyone finish it? That's actually a really good question, Todd. I love that, the last piece of it. Do these characters need to survive to the end of the story, or could any character finish that story? That's interesting, because that goes to things that Sean and I have been talking about recently and in past episodes, too. I love that question. Uh, number two, do I want characters to be temporarily removed from a scene? Number three, do I want to use harm as a resource management or create complications slash obstacles in a scene? The first two questions really help me determine what happens to these characters when they are subject to a successful attack role. If I expect them to die or go down often and their survival to the very end doesn't matter, slashy slashy. Otherwise, I want damage to reflect the pace of the story. Let them take harm, yes, but not in every fight. In this case, games with hit points and healing spells tend to get hacked so characters can simply recover to their own hit points. Healing is for dire situations such as critical attacks. The third question can apply in many outcomes and combinations, but I very much want to have some level of complications added to a fight scene to create a more dynamic fight scene. It can also depend on the players because if you have a group that will use something like Fawford's narrative bonus approach, they can easily be encouraged to make their own complications in exchange for bonus XP in the future, plus two after they remove their complication. But the first two questions do help me determine how I want to handle the third. It's a balancing act to help create the tone, theme, and spirit of what you want to play. These are things you can do without hacking a game by simply taking, excuse me, by simply applying them narratively, or you can strip them, <laughs> strip that game for parts and build something new or new-ish. How damage and healing are applied helps sell, sell the goals of the, yeah, helps sell the goals you set for the game. Good God, I can't read. Now what's this team play I'm hearing so much about? <laughs> That's going to be next topic, Todd, definitely. Next time we get back together, we're going to hit that one. That's good stuff. I love those questions. Those are actually pretty good. Damn good questions. That first one is really cool. Because we've talked about that before. Is And even for a session zero, God, we keep piling on. At some point, Sean, we should come up with like, like everything we've ever said should be in the session zero, which would turn out to be a lecture hall 
over a semester series of questions and answers and quizzes. Um, yeah, I'm going to be age of rebellion and it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be like, Hey, get in here, play. We're playing. Hey, yeah. who's up? You know, and sometimes even if it's an expectation setting, it's like, look, if you, we will finish this story, but you, the characters you start with may not be the ones that finish, but you, Sean, Brett, Eileen, you guys may well be the ones that finished. Your, you will be there to see the story all the way through. You may have a different character at the end. Is that something you're into? That's a good question. That's a pretty interesting one, too, because it will help people get invested potentially in the story. I'm really seduced by this question here, Todd. But help you stay invested in the story and allow a little bit of, yeah, my character dies. That's okay. I know it's not the end of the tale. I want to see. I can see the story to the end. I didn't get shortcut, you know. I, I didn't get shorted the ability to see that. So kind of cool. Yeah, I don't think we. I don't think we tackle enough in session zero. I don't. I don't. I think we might tackle enough, but I don't know if we tackle enough of the right, right. things. Exactly. Yeah. And it's so hard. We've talked about this too. With you, you play with a group of folks that you're like, hey, I played with these folks for over 20 years. This will be like my my 30th anniversary with my home group. Holy cow, you're old. Yeah, I know. It's fucking old, man. (laughs) And I'm like, wow. And we still have problems every once in a while because somebody's like, oh, I thought this was like this other game. No, it's different. Oh, oh, I wish someone would have said something. We we did say something. Oh, yeah, but I didn't pay attention or write it down or whatever. It's still. uh, Anyway, that was good. Thank you, Todd. As always, very good stuff. Yeah, thanks, Todd. Sean, your turn, man. Samuel writes in about the AD&D episode. Good ADD episode. I especially like the topic of players narrating their actions versus making generic skill checks. One thing I'm curious is how you handle the thief class, whose main ability is skills. I can imagine as a DM saying, well, if you aren't a thief, you don't know how to pick locks. But I, but how do you handle skills like move silently, hide in shadows, or detect noise, which most people are able to do with little to no training? I could imagine saving throws, uh, saving those types of percentile checks for extremely hard circumstances. Non-thieves would practically auto-fail, like moving quietly on floor covered with bones and dry leaves. Or another idea is to uh, let all players do things like moving silently, detect noise, etc. with regular ability checks and let thieves... Thieves make an extra percentile roll if the stat check fails to show they're extra good at these tasks. Samuel, one of the things I've done with some of the thieves is because they are thieves and masters of, they auto succeed in certain situations. I'm going to scarper over here through the shadows in the trees and want to get up to them. Fine, you're up there. Done. You're a thief. You easily. Make your way there. If it's rush, if it's hurried, if the thief is being chased or someone's actively looking for he or she or that person, then they've got to then they've got to make a roll because now it's stressful, right? Other people who are not skilled in that, I got to give them a die roll of some kind, of a saving throw versus paralyzation, or I or I make a check to see if the bad guy notices them, or I have them roll a d say something happens in that case. But what I do to help the thieves is that if you're really good at it, you're just good at it. I don't have a ranger in the group right now. Somebody was thinking if this character dies, hey, I might make a ranger next. A similar thing. Other people can look for tracks. If you know what a white-tailed deer's track looks like, you can say, oh, it's a deer. If you don't know 
necessarily which way is the front or the back of the track, which is depending if you if you've never seen one before, you may not know. Um, my ranger would just be like, "Oh, I know what that is," right? And fighters have certain things like, "Oh, that's plate mail. Oh, that's well made armor. That's a good sword." Mages recognize certain things just because. But in the case of like the skill, the generic skill checks, I, I make sure that the thieves have kind of a, hey, my thief card, yes, carry on, pass. You know, they, they get through the guard faster, right? They just show their thief, <laughs> their thief membership card. They get through the velvet rope. Everybody else has to do a song and dance to get in, type of thing. But uh, that's that's the thing I've done. Uh, that's working pretty well right now. Yeah, I and think- the, and the rest of the party's like, you auto succeed at that, I back off. The fighter's like, I'm not fucking sneaking. I'm going to wait back here for the scout to come and tell me when I can move forward. And they're recognizing I'm not good at this. You do your thing and then come back and get me. Sorry, Sean. No, I was going to say similar would be the situation and just letting them do their thing. Like if it, so the, the circumstances under which come with the situation is they're alone. Mm-hmm. You're, there's no, tricksies going on like there isn't some weird like creature that might detect them because they're looking for them there's a yeah there's not a scry or something strange like if it's just like hey i'm gonna go out and scout ahead and i'm gonna hear i'm gonna hear noise as i go and i'm gonna move silently okay great if it's even if it's in leaves if they're kind of out in the wilderness and they want to do that fine like um, but unless there's, well, because they have a hunting party after you, then you have to make a roll. Also, you don't have the paladin in armor or any of that. Great. Let it, just let it roll. A fighter saying, hey, I want to move silently. Typically, a fighter can't move silently. And the reason they can is usually they're wearing armor. And armor's just never going to be, I think it's the rule saying, Look, if you're wearing any armor that's metal, it's just not going to be quiet, period. End of discussion. Yeah. Yeah. If you watch, ever seen the 13th Warrior, there's a scene where they go underground after the bad guys. And the one character, when he's going in, they're all stripping down because they've got to be quiet, right? Taking off their plate armor. They look at the one guy, he taps him on the chest, and he looks at him and goes, you'll have to kiss me first. No way. He goes walking, and he creeps in with this, and a rock comes down and goes, tink, and hits his armor. And they almost get discovered. Everyone turns and looks at him, and he's got the. Okay, you're right. But they can't say. They can't say this is wonderful scene. The other thing I I have done in the past too, and I probably will bring this back out, is if the party wants to move quietly, the thief or pick one of the thieves with the best skill, and say you roll for the whole party. You roll your skill set because you are guiding them and telling them what to do, and you're setting the pace and you're controlling it. So the better they get, if they're in the lead then they're helping everybody else stay quiet type of thing. It's shit, man. You could do this type of thing in your Star Wars game. If there's no surveillance droid, there's no cameras, there's no security, you just want to scamper down this quick hall to get up to the to the data pad, done. That's what your character's built for. Off you go. Cool. All right. Now, with, now having said that with, like, say, somebody would say, well, Sean, what about a magic user? They're not wearing any armor. To which I would say possibly but they may not i don't know navigate creaky steps appropriately or you know maybe they just do it because there isn't any reason for them not to so yes okay great they this person and the thief can sneak 
but the fighter, you're you're not there is no role for these two, but you're not gonna be able to sneak. Or what are you what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do to be sneaky or quiet? You move silently. What are you gonna do to move silently? You know. One of my buddies, um, Nick did this. He had a wizard who was kind of he was like a bookish person, never got him much, very classic in that regard. But one of the things he did that was fun is after like trying to sneak the fifth time, he's like I- my legs are crying. I can't sneak. Oh, geez, I don't. I don't do this every day. Oh my God, it's crouching and moving. Oh my back. I don't know if I can do that, guys. That was just a role playing opportunity. He used it in that regard. So that's something else I, I give. I just I love it when people do that that type of stuff. But not. It required. may not even it now. One thing that people don't usually consider is maybe it's a mental thing. And no, no, no. You gotta you gotta move slow. You gotta move really, really, really slow. I don't, it's I don't, all, have, it's also I don't incre- have the patience. It's also incredibly hard to do. I mean, I've... So, as people listen to the show know I hunt, right? Now, I will still hunt deer. I'll stalk. I'll be on the track. And every once in a while, you catch yourself going too fast. Brett tries or, to move silently all the time. Or too slow. And you you blow the opportunity. Or you're creeping, creeping, creeping. Snap. You're like, really? Really? I didn't see this fucking stick, and I stepped on it. There's I, I've dodged 20 sticks before here, but now I snapped this one, and the turkey's gone great just perfect it happens right and if you if it's not a skill you have it's not easy to do and the other piece too it can be terrain right the wizard may be perfectly fine it's a stone floor he's got soft slippers he or she they just sneak 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 perfectly fine creaky floorboards that's another situation where the thief gets a better chance because they are trained in all environments so anyway samuel hope that helped but that's the type of thing i'm looking at doing and i have been doing so Sean, over to you, sir. Healing wraps up. Input from Isaiah. Love the episode. Uh, I appreciated At Warden's thought process on how to manage harming the PCs in the game. Uh, the game's rules about healing can lead in another in other directions, um, which I've used in systems where healing was not instantaneous. When healing is a skill check that can lead to an interesting scene. It can be a complication in a fight or about performing a complex medical task, such as the party working together to heal someone else. I ran an encounter in Alternity, which required the players to work together in a medical intervention to remove some mind control implants from an NPC they wanted to rescue. We even got the combat-oriented person to use their powered melee weapons skill to direct the shocking probe which disabled the implants. It was a nice change of pace from the talking, sneaking, fighting pattern, which had become the norm for challenges. In a game where fast healing is not readily available, the complications of injuries could provide content for a whole game session. I had an alternative game in which the diplomat was badly injured by an enemy laser, and since nobody had the appropriate medical gear or skills, like surgery and a portable surgery kit, The party had to help her limp around while ducking enemy patrols until they found in an infirmary with an automated medical robot they could hack. These kinds of things can make healing the spotlight rule for a while without turning the whole game into the Grey's Anatomy RPG. (laughs) This is cool because this is it's a narrative approach, right? Like this is the thing. It um, Isaiah's got this. An incident occurs. We don't have a rapid way to do it. But instead of making it like, oh, I'm done. 
oh, I quit. There's nothing we can do. Oh, I'm fucking, my character's fucked up. Just shoot him in the head. I quit, you know. Instead of doing that type of thing, that group and Isaiah came up with this idea. This is awesome. Like, hey, there's a way to, it's, it's going to be dramatic. It's going to be that scene in the movie or in the book where like, you're, you're, come on, we can make it, we can make it. And you're sneaking and uh, that's just awesome. You, you read that and I can see it in my head. <laughs> that's a cool scene. That's fun. That is cool. Then you get in there and you're like, okay, we got to hack this droid. We got to do this thing. I hope this attaches the arm again. You know, and that, that's awesome. That's really cool. Let's get in the main topic. All right, Brett. So after the last episode, after 320, Sean and I were off the mics. We're talking about games as we tend to do. Because with uh, COVID stuff, Sean and I can't get together and hang out in person. So this is like, hey, once the show's over, Brett and Sean hang out for like an hour after shoot the shit until usually me or he's like, I'm tired. Fuck, I go to bed. And one of the things we came up with was this concept um, around 5e and different rule sets and the codification of rules. So codified rules, what does that mean and so on? That's what we're going to get into here. But so, Sean, when we say codified rules, I think what you and I are talking about are is a rule set that tries to provide mechanics for as many situations in game as possible. Is that what you're thinking of when, when we talk about this? <laughs> no, no. Not- well, not quite. Like, uh, yeah, that, that's what I want to ask because yeah, no, you and no. I have talked. You and I have talked about this. So yeah. let's let's get this. Try to figure out what we're chatting through here. It came up on a stream I did on a Saturday morning about something where you you can just you should you can just do it, just implement something similar to your philosophy on on a PBTA type of of situation where you just say, well, I don't need moves or I don't need a fail Okay, like forward. we just talked about with Samuel's thing with AD&D. Like, hey, I'm doing this thing. Right. It's damn near a gumshoe thing. Like, look, you're a master of it. You just do it. Yes. And that's not an AD&D rule, clearly. Correct. So that, it went from that to, well, wait a minute now. We You could easily just say, you could just take the bread approach for lack of better words, and say, hey, I don't need that in that game for me to to play D&D and not implement it into my own game. True, fair, yes, no argument there. Correct. However. There's a wrong way as well. Maybe. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm absolutely kidding. The, the absolutely reason kidding. I say codified is because I think that what happens in some games with some groups, and, so, and maybe not even the group, it may be just a single player is that if you do that, it will either be forgotten, hand-waved, or only only applicable to those that say, okay, and remember to do it and apply it. So it's not a rule. Ruling. Right? It's not a mechanic, yeah. right? So PBTA is very, very like, it's structured. hey, yeah, you got to do this because it's part of the game. Yep. That's the deal. So I think that gets into the kind of the why codifying things, having those mechanics in place. And this is some of this is ground that Sean I've tried before. So for, forgive us if this if you've heard this argument or this discussion before and you're bored with it, feel free to turn this off and go listen to something else. Wait a minute, no. 
don't listen no, to Brett. No, don't, no, don't listen to me. Don't no, this, to is, this would be new and interesting. <laughs> anyway, so I guess what we're talking about here is you're talking about consistency and clarity. It, it, fewer house rules, it minimizes the needs to make rulings. You still can, but you don't, it, there's not a built in need to do it, right? Your OSR games, Dungeon Crawl Classics has, it's, it's a theme in Dungeon Crawl Classics and a lot of OSR games, AD&D and so on. Um, they either require it or it states in there, hey, make the, you know, make the best ruling you can. Um, and it, it, also with a consistency and clarity component, it feels like there's a right answer for kind of the nearly everything. Like I've tried to do this, I try to do this move in a PBTA game, you roll your dice, you have an answer for what are the results of this attempt. Right. It's kind of like if there are no grappling rules, you're like, well, I want to grapple him. Uh, okay, we'll make up some grappling stuff on the fly. And to your point, Sean, it can be very inconsistent, which is where house rules can get wonky. If you don't write that shit down, codify it in some way, it can get kind of crazy. So the consistency and clarity is a big thing. Um, so I think the other thing that it does, too, at least that I find, is that when... Depending on the mechanics, and I'm looking at like Pathfinder or GURPS or, um, uh, or uh, 4E, maybe even 5E probably is this way too. And there's a host of other ones I can't think of. I'm fuck Middle Earth role playing role master for some old stuff. But um, there's a maximizing that can happen with player characters because of the rules. Like, hey, this is how you get the most advantage in a fight build your character to be this powerful. This is how you get the best spell selection, build your character this way. Because you have this codified section of how this is how this piece of the mechanics work, this is how this piece of the mechanics work. So the, not a temptation, but the option is there to to do a min-max. Yeah, they, that I would refer to that as optimizing. I think it's the same thing, though. You can't. It's hard to optimize a character in a game that doesn't have that stuff. Dungeon Crawl Classics, it's very hard to optimize a character. Yes, from what you're saying, yes. Fair, right. Yeah. Yes, yes. And if I'm there isn't all the, is... the fiddly bits, then it is harder yeah. to sit down and say, well, here's the path to... So Dungeon Crawl Classics has uh, heroic feats, right? It has... Uh, the the warrior has these cool things they can do, right? So they could they could say, hey, I want to cut the saddle off and make the guy tumble over. All right, that's a, that's a cool... That's a cool move. Your warrior can do that. You roll some dice, see if it happens. That's not codified. That's all narrative. Other game systems, like a Pathfinder or whatever, would have, literally would have, you know, slash at saddle strap as a feat. Literally a feat, right? Long sword, monkey grip, all that stuff. Um, very specific. Very, very specific. Where a game like Dungeon Crawl Classics has a lot less of that, and it's um, designed to be more evocative narrative. Not that one is better than the other, because quite frankly, um, having clearly defined features for some players and some game masters is very, very helpful. We've talked about this. If you have a list of skills sometimes, it can be very effective so that people understand what can be done. And again, when you're building your character, if you understand all those components because it's codified, you can build the character you want versus... Does that make sense? Yes. Are you disagreeing with me or just agreeing with me to show I'm absorbing me it all. You're absorbing like it all. Like trying to, like. Trying to follow my train of logic? I'm, I'm with you. Okay. Yeah, and I agree. Like, yes, yes. DCC 
has the fighter. Oh god, that drives me crazy. Heroic deeds. I, heroic mighty deeds. deeds. Mighty, mighty deeds. deeds. Mighty deeds. God damn it. There it DCC is. DCC people deeds. are vehemently yelling. <laughs> mighty screaming, deeds. Mighty deeds. You mighty morons. deeds. You dipshits. Um, <laughs> exactly. Which we get that a lot. Mighty deeds. Yes. It's the so for those that aren't familiar with mighty deeds in Dungeon Crawl Classics, the fighter gets a mighty deed die. So and instead dwarves. of yeah, instead of picking a list of crazy feats. If they succeed with their mighty deed, they get to narrate what cool thing they're doing. Like super cool. Like it's like Brett mentioned and hinted at was was I cut off the saddle of the horse next to me so the rider falls off. Yeah, I, I rush up and I, I bull rush the demon back through the portal. Or uh, I jump off and I kick this person or I do something. You know, you've got this kind of this cool thing you can do. And again, is that like so to be absolutely clear, we are not saying that one style system codification level, blah, 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 is better than another. This just comes down to I wanted to make sure that Sean and I were on the same grounds here because now comes uh, a little more a little more into what I think Sean is talking about. And then we're going to talk about what we like. Um, so the other component that this does, not just from the player side, right? Of what can I do? What can't I do? But from the game master side, also, it says, hey, I have GM intrusions, a la Cypher system. You can do this, Game Master. Sean, I've talked about it before. I'm like, I can do that. I don't fucking need a rule to do that. Yeah, right. You don't fucking need a rule to do that. However, this game specifically designed so that you are supposed to do this. It's causing not only just a certain play style on the player's part, but on the Game Master's part. Like, hey, this is how you're supposed to do this to make this game work. Benny's in Savage Worlds. You're supposed to keep the Benny economy running, right? It's got this. This is how it's supposed to work. There is a straightforwardness or a cons and a consistency component that enforces the style of play on both sides of the screen. What is where some of that can come into play? Well, I think when any whenever you get into more, for lack of better words, fiddly bits, mm -hmm. that's what I think the purpose of them are. Like, hey, here's Pathfinder, boom, or Fatal, boom, and. Role master. Yeah. Right. And this is Harn, whatever. And this is why it's done this way, because the players know exactly what they can do and how it works. And the game master knows exactly how it's how it works on their end. And it's all that. There it is. And there's no. With Brett's AD&D episode a few back where he was like, hey, Somebody, I ask them how they do it and they explain it to me and I say, yes, that can just, that happens. It prevents the Brett from saying, no, no, nope, not going to happen that way. Yeah, because we've talked about this before too, fairly recently, is the trust piece. I can, I have the trust, it's a high trust trad sure. with my guys and I, and the team's like, oh yeah, this is what we like. We want to try this thing. Yes, you can do that. No, it doesn't. And they, they trust that Brett's doing it for a good reason and we're off and running. And you don't, not every group has that and not every group wants that. Right. Not every group, even if they do absolutely trust each other, they still don't prefer that style of play. They want a codified rule set that says yes or no or provides the right place, the right little box. Box is such a strong native word, but the right area to, to make the decision. in. you know what I'm saying? Yes. I think the other thing that some of the game systems do and I'm thinking about Monster Hearts here is I could could I play AD&D Monster Hearts? Probably. Probably a terrible idea insofar as I would have to do a shit ton of work, I think, at least Brett would, 
um, because it has to be modified, it has to be tuned, it has to be changed up a little bit so that it works appropriately or that it evokes the same type of feeling, uh, so on and so forth. Some of the, the PBTA games and um, some of the Fate stuff and, and so forth that I've read, the cool part, like Cold Shadows, when you and I talked about that, one of the cool pieces is the it's not only just straightforward from a, okay, this is what can be done, here's the moves, here's the this, here's the that, but it's all modified for that setting. Right? I don't have a toolkit game where D&D, in its general form and even Pathfinder, is it in Greyhawk or Forgotten Realms or Dragonlance or Dark Sun or Birthright or your homebrew or Ravenloft? Okay, Ravenloft from Brett's homebrew, Avalon, similar in the dark grittiness, but even that's even more gothic than what I'm doing. And Ravenloft and Dragonlance are two totally different things. And if you want to evoke that feeling and someone comes, oh, we're going to play D&D. Oh, I'm in Ravenloft. And this is kind of, oh, Ravenloft isn't D&D to me. D&D to me is Greyhawk and Forgotten Realms, where it's a little more something different. I don't want to be handcuffed. I don't want to have these changes or whatever. Um, it feels like there's less tweaking, messing that can happen in, in some other game systems, right? If it's built for the thing, it's all designed for it to help evoke that form of play. The Alice is Missing thing you're talking about. Could you yes. do that with a PBTA game? Probably, but it's not going to have the same effect as what you're going to, as what the actual game is built for. So, yeah, and I, and with, with Alice is Missing specifically and what Brett is alluding to is that, and I mentioned this before, where the uniqueness of some mechanics and some games and how they tie into things to evoke a certain feeling or you know it's a hacker game and when you play the game it feels like you're actually hacking a computer even though you're really not yeah but how does it do that right and allison is missing is very interesting because it's all just it's text messaging amongst teenagers but there's cards to keep kind of the story flowing and pivoting and you know things that are injected so that the plot moves along to the end of the 90 minutes and then at the end you debrief and you kind of you listen to voicemails that you left for Alice at the beginning of the game and then you reflect upon those. And so that is a very, I don't know, simulationist, teenager-y game, but it's, it's, it's not stuff like Brett and Sean who are going to run it are going to change things. Yeah, like, so well, we talk about kid, we talk about kids way, on bikes. Right? Yeah, we talked about kids on bikes a while back, and that has mechanics for how do you deal with certain pieces. I remember um, Ange talking about uh, where she runs bubblegum. Uh, what was it? A uh, bubblegum shoe, and how she likes that and the feelings, the the way that evokes different components. Yes, I could do that with something else. And the the authors of a bubblegum shoe basically took it and made it right. They 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 codified a thing for me. Could I do it myself? Yes. Um, but the cool thing is it's all written down and it's a reference point that everybody gets to and it doesn't have the uh, the inconsistency or the lack of documentation that a homebrew rule sometimes can, right? Well, I was going to say there's there's a game that I bought, which is the Spy game, which which just came out on the Kickstarter just wrapped up. The PDF is actually on DriveThru. I haven't read it. It's based, it's, it's an espionage game, but it's Called? based off of 5e. The spy game. I think oh, it's the, spy the spy game. Oh, you I think said, it's called you said the spy that. game. Oh, you said that like it was in the title. Okay. No, it's the spy it's game. actually called I think the spy game, and it's an espionage game, and it's taken after D and D. So what they, I'm guessing, I haven't looked at it yet, but my 
guess is that they took the five E framework with the abilities and the skills and you know certain things that'll base attack bonus, and they morph that into an espionage ish game and setting. And I'm sure there are elements of five E that go along with that type of genre and mm-hmm. what you're trying to instill. I don't think it's going to capture Cold War for me. Like Cold Shadows will. Yeah. And so when I start hearing about, well, I I just took 5e and made it for science fiction. Or I took 5e and I made it for espionage. And to me, it's kind of like, now because I was hyped and stoked about it. And then I started thinking about it. And I'm like, oh, now it's I'm like actually going to get the Kickstarter and the book probably delivered. And I'm kind of going, crap. Because <laughs> it's not, you're not thinking of, this is the... This is the game that that does. How do I explain it? It creates, evokes a feeling, and it doesn't have any other feeling tied to it, right? You don't have any legacy D and D component here in your mind. You don't have anything else in there. The rule set doesn't evoke anything else for you, right? If it's it, Cold Shadows, you don't be like, well, it's Cold Shadows, but it's like D and D with spies. I mean, I could play D twenty Spycraft that was done. Like, I don't know, 15 years ago. Yes, you could. Yep. And it's somewhat similar. I mean, it's D20 based. And so I'm I'm curious to see how this has morphed into capturing an espionage feel or even like high, you know, hey, mission, impossible, craziness, born identity. All right. Awesome. If that's the 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 angle it's going for, then super. And And how does it incorporate some of the rules that it does or mechanics? To facilitate that high octane feel, yeah. And if it's just like D and D, and it's up to the game master to like, hey, the chase scene should be great and high act, you know, high action and blah blah blah. And it's, it's. I mean, if I just take elf fighter and I turn him into a human espionage guy, is there a difference? Yeah, exactly. Because if there's not, <laughs> God damn it, wasted my money. Then I should just probably play D and D. So I've got what last piece here I want to get into, and then we got like the the actual kind of meat of the question, perhaps. But what for me, one of the things that I think um, I grabbed out of my learning from AD and D, and this goes to um, some things that that my friends and I have talked about, whatever is that sometimes um, in a heavily codified system, like say Pathfinder, just pick on Pathfinder, is that um, if you're <laughs> When I play one of those games, I will sometimes with my group or other people be pressured to show my math. Like, well, they can't have that armor class. How'd they get that armor class? <laughs> because they do. Just fucking move on. Well, it doesn't make any sense. All they're Brett's wearing is plate Because Brett's is cheating. He's mail. pulling up stat blocks on the fly, man. He's just sitting down and he's going to throw a, a monster in front of you or a, an NPC and they're just going to be Billy Badass. And, you know, they the way be, to be could. Billy Badass, and you guys are fifth level, well, that Billy Badass has to be fifth plus N. And Brett's just going to write down AC 25 because they can, they, can they can hit 20 pretty well. Sometimes you need to. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it, you, you whistle it out. You're like, oh, it's a troll. Yeah, but it's an old troll. I decide I'm going to break it down or whatever it is. But, you know, sometimes you get... You will have, and you and I talked about this at the end of the last show, is that sometimes, um, if for you and I anyway, there's a level of codification, if you will, that goes almost too far for you and I. 
And that's this kind of leads into the next question, where it's like, well, that's not right. The game says it's supposed to be challenge rating plus this equals this. I should be at this level by this da 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 da. Right? Anybody who's listened to us for the last six months is just like, what in the hell are they talking? Like, they're, oh, yeah, you gotta mechanic, you gotta have the mechanics. No, mechanics suck. Like, uh, no, you gotta- I, I think so. Here's the, <laughs> so here's the question, right? Is that one of the things that I think is we're kind of introspecting here the last few episodes and what you've learned from your, uh, what I've learned from AD&D, we talked about with healing, all these other components, what version variations. I'm starting to get a better tuning. It took us six years to get here, dude, but I'm getting a, finally getting my old man brain wrapped around this, is that, is there a level of codified rules that I want? How crunchy, how much do I really need to have? And Sean, when I'm, and does it depend, hitting you, hitting you with that one right away, based on the genre that you want to go at, right? So, Sean, if you were to, if I were to say, hey, do you like the, um, the OSR feel of X, and would you want that same feel for your cyberpunk game? Similar to what you just said about, you know, 5e, do you like that feel for your espionage game? Maybe not exactly the same type of thing, but, you know, is there a, is, does that matter to you when you're looking at a, when you're thinking about genres and, hey, I want to play this game, are you look uh, does that play in your head at all? I'm starting to notice it does in mine, so this is why I'm asking you. It, it does? It does. Yeah. Okay. Final answer. It does. Very good. About time. <laughs> it does because I don't want to play D&D the espionage game. I don't want to play D&D the cy- cyberpunk game. I don't want to play D&D, you know. I mean, sure, there's some crossover and there's some similarities here and so, there. So let me grab you but, here. So if you were to run, if I were to say, hey, I want to run a gothic horror game. Would you be like, oh, I want to play the D&D version of Gothic Horror, or would you rather run Gothic Horror the RPG? I mean, is there, you know, for Ravenloft, let's say. Let's just sure. go right at Ravenloft. Would you say I would prefer to run Ravenloft with 5e, or would you prefer to run Ravenloft with a PBTA game, or even with a uh, the Genesis system, perhaps, with the Funky Dice and so forth? Yeah. Is there something that makes you see that setting and say, that's just, uh, D&D isn't working for me there? Oh, this is gonna this is gonna be. <clears throat> Go at it. Come I on, don't. Come on. I if Brett said Sean, I'm gonna run Curses Strad. Uh huh. I'm gonna let you pick the system, and I'd say. Yeah. Because, I don't know if I would have a, a have a definitive answer for that, and I'll say because I don't have a problem playing Five E Curse of Strad. If Brett were to say, this is how I'm envisioning this campaign in a in a kind of how I see this, how it, how it's going to roll. The feel, you know, I want it to be a little more grittier. I want it to be would you want me to? Would you want me to codify that in, in a mechanics perspective? Would you want me to say, look, we're going to have lingering injuries. We're going to have um, <clears throat> uh, gritty healing rules. I'm going to... Um, do this, 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 and this mechanic wise. Would you like look? It's humans only. There's a limit placed here. There's that. Would you want that to help reinforce the 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 thing? Would I want it? 
I, I could take it or I mean, I, as a player, I would I would be flexible to having it or not. What okay. I wouldn't what I wouldn't want is to start the game and then all of a sudden Brett's like, oh, by the way, whoop, roll my lingering injury table. Don't want to be surprised. Huh? Yeah, just let me know that, that it's, it's a component of the game, and that this is how it's going to kind of work. So that way, when I go and roll my three, you know, death saves, you know, what it's going to actually hack off my arm, and I go, oh, okay. If it's presented in a narrative basis up front, where Brett's like, "Hey, here's the deal: if you get hit, blah blah blah, and it's going to be lingering injuries," and I, Sean doesn't know the mechanic. He just says, "Oh, Brett told me there's lingering injuries, which means my guy's going to get hurt and not going to be able to heal his arm or leg back, and I'll have to go through the rest of the adventure that way." I'm okay with that as well, but if I had a better understanding of how that's going to work, but. So I don't have a problem playing a 5e game, Curse of Strahd, nitty-gritty, if the DM says, this is what I'm thinking. You start out as kind of a plebe, or if you get hurt really bad, that that's going to carry over and go long-term. I would also say, okay, great. Um, you know, it, it, what's going to be turned on and turned off if, if there yeah, is? So you want, is it you a feel a or bit. is it mechanics? Yeah, so yeah. you want a, a little codification so far as like, look, what are the, are, are there mechanics at play here or is it all narrative? And even we could say narrative are mechanics at that point. Like, is it narratively impacting me in some way where this narration equals a negative two on spot checks because I lost an eye? You know, that type of thing. Yeah, I and I would also say, do you, do you want somebody that is more... RP resolving it in the game all the time as much as possible? Or are you the, hey, my character does this type of DM and my my character wants to be, you know, do this or do that and that the dialogue is toned. Like, I don't, some people find uh, an hour of role play like, all right, we need to wrap this shit up. Yeah, can and then we there, make, make some progress here. Yeah, and then there's some where like that's great. I don't care. We could talk about making breakfast in the kitchen as long as it's kind of rolling. Yes, and, and so there's these again goes back to session zero where we're not asking the right questions and getting the right answers to help facilitate this. Yeah. I think for I can tell you, man. For me, the I want a level of. In session zero, which I think is kind of where this is going here, the codification there, what I need that to tell me is that if someone were to say, like, if Alpha were to rerun Curse of Strahd for me, I would say, are there any limits on the types of PCs? He would say, what do you mean? I'd say, well, last time you ran it, we had Dragonborn and some other crap. And I say some other crap insofar as I don't think they fit that, that genre very well. I don't want them there. I honestly would prefer... Half elves all or all humans. I'd prefer actually all human. I think it'd be really cool. And one of the things that I've started to do with mine to help codify an adventure I'm running is I'm like, you are you're from here. I give the limits or the the boundaries of where you can make your characters, kind of like you are for the Star Wars game. You picked Edge of the Empire versus we're all Jedi's, right? right There's sure. different components of Star Wars that you could have went with. And I think by adding that piece to it. The more you can codify things up front, even if you aren't going with a heavily codified rule system that says, look, um, this is Pathfinder. It's got a rule for everything. This is GURPS. It has a rule for all this stuff. This is, you know, basic role playing. This is Role Master. This is PBTA and blah, blah, blah. 
Um, it does help if you have a system like Dungeon Crawl Classics, which has rulings over rules, and it's stressed that way. That you say, look, I want to make sure that the Gonzo component in my DCC game is toned down. Right? The reason I say that is I have talked to some people, and some of my players are like, God, it's just such a goofy game. And I'm like, what do you mean goofy? Well... They just blah, 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 blah. So, you know, okay, we're not, this isn't goofy. Define, 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 define. And I think that that piece of it helps me get people on board. And when I start defining it narratively, saying, I want to have, um, in the Star Wars game, we're going to have lingering injuries. And someone says, really? Well, how are we going to do that? Well, you know, depending how the dice, the, we got the funky dice, so they turn out this way. You could, you know, have a, have a bad knee and you could be limping. And it could impact how you do stuff. That generally leads somebody to ask me, do I have a negative on my die roll? Yes, that's a good point. Let's do that. You know what makes sense to me is a die shift up or down, whichever way is bad, right, Sean? I don't know the system well enough, so my bad. But, you know, hey, I'll, I'll make a change to it. It makes things a little more difficult for you in certain circumstances. However, I, Game Master, want you as players to also role play it up, Right. I really, that's a thing I really want to see. When, when the wizards decides, when my buddy Nick's wizard was like, oh God, my knees are killing me. I'm going to sneak it through the dungeon. Whew, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can creep around another doorway. on oh, my back. You know, I can't go another step. I've been carrying this 10 pound backpack. <laughs> Fighters glaring at him, you know. That is, that's something I want. And I can then tell people like, look, I don't need a mechanic for you to complain about how hungry you are, right? However, be aware that I do have an exhaustion mechanic that I am going to use if you haven't eaten. If you want to take that and role play it to the hilt, and to be classic, your halfling is always bitching that, that she can't get enough food, or they can't find enough of the certain type of food they like, you know, because it's a halfling, and that's just the way you want to do it, fine. But I'm not going to punish you unless it's in this very specific mechanical fashion. Does that make sense? Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I honestly the it, other piece it, I gets, add, my, add, it makes my head swim sometimes some of some of this some of this stuff because one of the things that that actually bothers me like I would not want to play Savage Worlds Ravenloft. No. That's just no. Me. I no. I don't think yeah. that would work. No. Savage Worlds Sharn though. I'd do that. Yeah, Eber like Ebron, yeah. And it doesn't have to be that way, right? You could be serious, super serious, Eberron. No, it's absolutely. Nope. Gritty or whatever, but it's harder when you have magic more common. Common magic is common. I'll tell you, I have found when I was a kid and we were gaming and there things were open-ended with AD&D, d and Star Frontiers, whatever the hell we were playing, when it had kind of a rulings over rules was the was the... The way it all went. At least that's what it felt like when we were kids. We would argue what was realistic, what was not. We had stupid young kid arguments. And then when we started to see heavily crunchy, fiddly bit codification of this is how you swim. This is how you parry. This is very specific grappling rules. They're like two and a half pages long or whatever the case is. It be For me, I started to feel handcuffs, right? I didn't notice it much at first. Like, oh, this is great. It answers so many questions. But I actually, I as a adult gaming with other people who have gamed for years or whatever, 
I have more people complain about rules than rulings. When they're like, no, there's a rule for that. That's not how swimming works. Look it up. Look it up. That's not how it works. I've had more people over the years complain to me that there's a right way to adjudicate this. There's a right way to run this game because, look, it's all perfectly written out and this is exactly what you should do. And I have a distinct dislike for anybody who tells me exactly what I need to do. <laughs> if you haven't figured that out already. Sean, I think, what were you going to say? And I think I can certainly see that. I Now, on the flip, so flip side of the coin where it's more open and it's not codified and it's not here's the here's the swimming rule right here yeah then there is a there is a there is a burden on the game master to be open-minded enough to allow the players to do whatever the hell they want to do maybe there's a hitch maybe it's not a free-for-all but they can't shut down stuff. They can't. They can't put the big ban hammer on anything yeah, and, that and they the try to accomplish. The, and the trust factor has to really be there. And it's back and forth. Like, I don't know if you can do that, Sean. Well, hang on, Brett. Let me explain this. You know what? I'm thinking. You know what? One in three on six, basically fifty-fifty chance you can do it. Well, I think it's more of a sixty-forty. Fine. One, two, three, or four on a six, and you can do it. Oh, cool. That back and forth negotiation. If you have, if you're open to that, right? You're it's like a sourcing the table thing in a way, in your writer's table back and forth. Well, I don't know if those two would ever get together. Well, I think they would. Why would they? Back and forth, back and forth. All right, cool. Here's the result. Let's see what happens. You have to have that. You have to be willing to step away and have that discussion. And I know some people find that discussion annoying. They don't like that. I enjoy that discussion far more than I enjoy. Let me go find the drowning rules. I enjoy that oh, discussion sure, much sure. more than let me go find the chase <laughs> rules we forgot to look up for whatever reason. Swim so, rules. Slareth asks if you would run uh, Ravenloft with World of Darkness. I think I would, actually. I think that would work really well. Yeah. I don't know I've said like, this shit about World I, of Darkness. I brought this, so. up to, uh, brought this up to my group one time. I'm like, you know, you could run... A fantasy game with a world of darkness system and lenny's oh. like oh geez i don't know if i i'm like dude just run it like i said run like ravenloft man i think it would work really really well you know he's like huh interesting so i might be actually really tempted to do that lareth now that he brings that up <laughs> because that would be that would be that, that would cause me to buy curse of <laughs> try to give or steal it from from alpha and take a crack at it um, it would definitely, it's a, the very D and D aspects of Curse of Strahd, some of the dungeon crawling stuff. Um, that's where I don't necessarily know if it would work as well. However, for me, when I ran through it, the dungeon crawling aspects of Curse of Strahd were the least entertaining. The rest of it, finding things out, discovering storylines and plots and meeting the people and figuring out what was really going on, how we could solve this riddle and could we ever get home? That was entertaining. There, you know, in the castle, in the basement, dealing with teleport squares and shit. I didn't fucking enjoy that at all. That was just like, ah, here's the thing we got to do. Let's get through it. Spoilers. But anyway. <laughs> 
so Sean, do you, I, I, and again, I'm not trying to, I know I probably have the you know, nostalgia glasses on when I look backwards. I'm like, yeah, we didn't, we argued about certain things, but when I talk about it now, I really do find the stuff of the people I play with. Again, when I've played with BSers, I play at cons, I don't have this problem. But people I played with regularly, um, the more rules I have to work with, the more people expect the rules to provide all the answers. Right? If everything is codified, if everything is documented, quote unquote, everything, everything. Um, the more I find that players that I that I play with want to use the rules at all times. In combat, especially. I can do a five-foot move here. I can move and shoot. I can do this. I can, very, very tactical, 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 tactical. In combat, that could be fine. But um, anyway, I just I, I find that I can... Some of it being a little on the loose side with rulings and whatever and having that back and forth, that description, that little writer's table exercise that I described, that is more fun for me. And I actually find it's more fun for my group as a whole. And that's a piece that is writing the notes for this and thinking about it and through this discussion we've had, I think when I when I talk to Alpha and a couple of other guys about game mastering and stuff, which I tend to do, I'm going to bring this up to them because I know they don't always listen to at all, listen to the show, which is totally fine. They're probably sick of hearing me talk all the time. But does, so, Sean, I guess here kind of at the tail end, what is, does this make you look at certain rule sets and say, oh, I like this one, I don't like this one, or any does it... Any light bulbs for you, or is this just kind of a waste of an hour? <laughs> no, I think it's been it ties into some of the 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 thoughts I've had for the last couple of months. You know, stemming from Curse of Strahd Five E to to running other games, and what my personal tastes are maybe morphing into, and I'll probably flip back in a few more months. But I agree that the 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 more the heavily mechanic games may not be a huge draw for me personally. However, I think it's going to be dependent on what the game is and how it, what it facilitates. So if you need, if you're going to play cyberpunk and you want to feel like hacker and you want to travel the net and there's ways to get in there and you're doing matrix moves and you've got perfect example. Here you go. Feng Shui. You want Chopsaki, crazy, running up walls and throwing Hong you know, Kong action movies, man. Take yeah, any cut. action movie with, you know, and Bruce dial it to Lee. 11, take yeah. it all the way to the top. Yeah. yeah. And you want, you know, the, the chop, uh, the pork chop express and, and Burton in there and kind of wacky stuff going on. Yeah, man. Feng Shui all the way, run it as written. I'm all down for it. I don't need any, like, I don't even know the mechanics. And I'm like, I'm all yeah. for it. If you said, hey, we're going to play 3.0 or or Pathfinder 1st Edition, and I played it for years. You know, it was good when it was lasted. It's just not something I want to go back to. I don't I don't want to go and defeat trees, and if I got a shitty build, I'm going to have a bad, I'm going to have a bad time. You know, it's... But how, having said that, you could still play Pathfinder, have a game master that runs it in a way that's maybe a little more ethereal than... Hey, let's set up the board and hey, five foot step, you know, move, blah, 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 broken. You know, it maybe doesn't have to be that way. But I would think that if you're playing Pathfinder, you'd kind of want to do it that way, right? That's. Yeah, there's, um, I, I have run Pathfinder Theater of the Mind before uh, for brief components 
But when it comes to combat, it's a son of a bitch, especially at higher levels with the feats and different things you can do. You really need the squares. It's really built for it. It's a very yeah. tactical game in that space. I get. So the other piece here, I, I think we talked about this a little bit, I think even today, because I'm already losing track of what the fuck we said. But <laughs> there, there's such a thing as burnout, dude, too, is that you could play a thing to death. For some people, some people I know, we, we know a guy, John, uh, who we both used to work with. Actually, I work with him now. He's a contractor for us. Um, I've tried to and recruit he, him. <laughs> are you? I did. Um, oh, you did. Okay. Pathfinder. He played Pathfinder like nonstop. And Sean would say, hey, have you heard of this? Yeah. Uh, we just like Pathfinder. You know, for a decade, they played Pathfinder first edition. That's just all they wanted to do. Same characters had a good time. They're having fun. And I remember as a kid playing AD&D, that's all we did. I, we played other stuff periodically, but it was the mainstay was that. And I think as we do get older, as my grandmother would say, your tastes change. And sometimes I think one of the pieces, I think this might even be just a lesson for you and I, Sean, is, and maybe other people as well, but. When we start to sense the burnout, like you did with 5e, you're stepping away from it for a little bit. I think that's really smart and a wise move on your part because if you were to push yourself and say, no, I really, I got to run Curse of Strahd. I, I, I need to run Ryan the Frostmaiden right now because Brett and I talked about it. That might be too much. I mean, you may end up despising or like, oh, I hate this because familiarity, contempt, as I said, and you can find this little thing where the pieces of it that bother you a little bit can suddenly be this, these glaring balls of anger for you if you stick it out too long and it's just a per it's again a personal introspective thing but if you're like hey i did that with my home group i'm like i need a break from five-year pathfinder so i said look i will run a first edition game because i like dnd but i want a different feel and i run in my world of darkness game for them totally different games and i you know i'd done delta green for a little bit because i wanted a change and the games I'm picking are games that still allow me to game master my way insofar as there's some level of codification, but I can still do my rulings, have the, have the writer's table discussion with the, with the group, and I'm not getting the, there's a right way to do this based on the rules arguments that I get when I'm running Pathfinder. Again, that's just my group, my world, Brett's opinion, so... Sean, any final thoughts on this? No? You're no. Good? All yeah, right. I'm good. Let's get into right, that let's roll. Move. Let's move on. Let's move on. We've been... That roll. 2d4 miscellaneous points. Game and a geekery want to bring to you. All right. First one. Brett's Avalon new product. Yes. Avalon trinkets. Yeah. Avalon trinkets. 99 cents. It's a small little bit. 99 cents. Check it out. Mm -hmm. uh, Blake Ryan's Kickstarter. Um, Season of Dreams ends December 19th, 2020. Please check it out. Seasons of Dreams is a tabletop role-playing game where your heroes go back and forth between modern Earth and the gloom. Fictional reality inspired by Celtic mythology, but modified by your characters' dreams, memories, and actions. Cool. I have dreams, Blake. Yeah, they're not. They're, they're, we can't talk about those They've here. I mean, we're, we're, ex we're explicit, but we can't get into those. <laughs> Those kind of dreams. <laughs> oh, you uh, talking about the ones we talk about? All the dreams have been crushed and destroyed. Oh, yes. those, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those. Oh, those, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Star Wars opening crawl generator also includes Game of Thrones, Westworld, and Stranger Things. Thanks, Vechi Young, for putting that in uh, in the Discord. I actually did one for our Discord. Oh, nice! An opening crawl. Put it out on Twitter. Check it out, Brett. Via time. 
I'll do that. Uh, sec, uh, fourth one, Savage Worlds Riffs. I thought somebody mentioned like, hey, I was thinking about getting in on Savage Worlds Riffs, whatever. They have a bundle of holding. Hey, there you go. And it helps the uh, National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. So bundle of holding, buy a bunch of stuff. Some of the proceeds goes to a good cause. That's the one they're they're having. So if you like Savage Worlds, you like Riffs, there you go. And you haven't bought it yet? Uh, and then the last one, new virtual table. New. I don't know if it's new. But a virtual, another virtual tabletop. New to Yeah. <laughs> Shard tabletop, which is, I think, specifically around 5e. Um, which looked interesting. So our Discord actually has a virtual tabletop channel where you can just talk about whatever VTT you're using, the benefits, if you have issues, hangups, whatever. So Shard is is one that we posted up there and I found the other day somebody was using. So, yeah. So um, that's it for this episode of Gaming MBS. If uh, you enjoyed what you've heard, you can subscribe to the podcast uh, on your fod- favorite podcast catcher of choice. Otherwise, we're here Monday nights at 8 p.m. Central Time U.S., Brett and I, and then we stream this to Twitch. Otherwise, if you see this on YouTube, give us a like or a subscribe. That would be greatly appreciated. Brett is Brett is moving next week. Yeah, so next Monday and Tuesday, I am busy, busy, busy. So I will be, I will here. Not be here, but Sean will be here. I will be here doing mm-hmm. something. Maybe, maybe, maybe I can run Age of Rebellion. I will see. We'll see. You should. Uh, maybe one week. I don't know. I got to get it. Well, at least you got to pick the, you, at least, at least on Monday, you got to pick the, uh, the winner. So, and I do have to pick the winner to Exploring Eberron. Yes. Correct. The next subject of our next show will be team play team play so if you haven't gone to our forums go to the forums find the one about um is D uh, built for team play um by uh the warden a little uh chat out there it's a damn good uh, it's a damn good uh thread and i read through that and i'm like holy crap this is pretty cool we gotta talk about this fucker and it's gonna get talked about um we just want to catch this one first and i want to have some i want to give sean and i some time to digest that whole thread and then come back at it so yeah the, the, the question is, is so like, Sean's think, got some homework to do. I think specifically is like, is D and D a team game, team based game? Read through the thread. Read through the thread. Read, we'll, um, we'll build some notes. It's Just read it, it, Sean. I want you. That's your homework. Damn, do some goddamn homework, would you? Hate homework. All right. I know. Thanks for everybody that showed up live. Great, filled the house this evening, almost at full capacity. Thank you so much, everybody. Appreciate it. Uh, stay safe. Keep gaming. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS produced with help from the following BSers. Jared Rasher, Ray Otis, Old School DM, Jason Hobbs, Andy Hall, Roger Brassley, Chris Steele, Larry Hout, Eric Frankhaus, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Stefan Dragonspawn, Mark Tasaka, Pure Mongrel, C.W. Mellencamp, Dan LaValle, Craig Huber, Ron Bishop, Old Scouser Roleplaying, Jim Fitzpatrick, Mark Richman, Thomas Hook, Sky, Craig, Howard Bishop, Jeff Seifert, Angus, Eric Salzwedo, George Sedgwick, Robert Nemeth, Brian Kurtz, Laramie Wall, Perry Besor, Eric Avia, Andy Olson, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Niall Diamond, 
Jeff Goad, Brian Rumble, David F. Baylog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Henry Newcomb, Eric Tavola, Hoos Carl, Mark Sohm, Ghost GM, Mike Hess Jr., Rory Weston, Jim Ingram, Daniel Garrett, Jason Weeb, One Dollar Adventure Frameworks, Phil McClory, Jay Plata, The Duke in Purple, Isaiah Aries Christian, Vanta Blacklord, Larry Hollis, Quigley Malcolm, AWOL Trooper, Craig Shipman, Todd Sharp, Orcus Dorcas, Chris Shorb, Michael O'Hollen, Christopher Lang, Chad Gleiman, Josh Wallace, Adam Grotejohn, Ed Nyes, Brett Bazinski, Corey Welch, Mirko Froelich, Rich Wishon, Joe Swick, Curtis Takahashi, and Aaron Relia. Hey, did you know we had a Twitch channel? We live stream our recording every Monday night at 8 p.m. Central Time U.S. Why don't you stop by and join us? The chat's live and hopping, and we'd love to see ya. Thanks, BSers! This, this has, has been, been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio production. production.